The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Johnny Flynn has starred as Dylan Witter in the Netflix sitcom Lovesick, played opposite Anne Hathaway in Song One. He was also in Jane Austen's classic Emma and played the younger Albert Einstein in National Geographic's Genius. Now he portrays a young David Bowie in the film Stardust. I've got Johnny Flynn on the line right now from his home in London. Johnny, how are you this morning? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Very good. Welcome, and I'm hoping that uh, you're in good health there in London. Everyone's doing well. Yeah, everyone's everyone's good uh, in in my family, and uh, yeah, I mean it's a strange strange times we're living in, but um, yeah, we're good. We're good here. Are you doing any traveling at the moment, or are you pretty much kind of uh, sheltering in place? Yeah, we kind of we we locked down. Um, this is the second lockdown we've been through in london this was a short yeah we, we're just finishing a month in lockdown but it, this time around everyone felt kind of used to the drill and uh everyone's wearing masks and yeah i don't know we, we're about to finish um that so we'll see next week you know some of the bars and restaurants and things are going to open and i guess they're trying to you know let the economy recover a bit before christmas so I was excited to hear that there is a film about David Bowie, and I, I think that you said in a past interview that you were happy that the script really wasn't a typical bio flick. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, for me, I wasn't so interested in doing um, something that had been done lots of times before recently. Um, I'm not a huge fan of those big, um, you know, biopic movies i think they have their place as sort of entertaining jukebox kind of musicals but i you know for me i there's not as much worth in watching you know rami malek as as freddie mercury as just listening to the records um you know if you're going to cover the whole life of a of an right. artist or whatever you know I, but I and so I, the kinds of films like this that I've enjoyed are there, there was a film about um, Ian Curtis from Joy Division called Control, and it was such a specific moment in his life, and through that moment you can kind of see uh, what what everything had led to or what he was about. It was a prism through which to kind of understand all his music, and and so this for me had to be that same kind of thing, and it is just this tiny tiny moment of um, uh, a couple of weeks in David's life in 1971 when he first went to the States and went on tour and he wasn't allowed to play it's a true story he he didn't have a visa so he wasn't allowed to play shows and what we also know about him at the time is that he's, he's kind of running away from his own material he's running away from lots of things he's scared of uh, about his mental health um, there's his, his half-brother Terry's been uh, institutionalized in a in a mental asylum in London and um he is he's kind of he's freaking out that he he can't find his kind of authentic artistic voice and and his record that he's promoting the man who sold the world is kind of a flop and and he's embarrassed by certain elements of it and anyway so I was excited that that this gives us the chance to to 
showed what he was doing, which was singing covers. He was obsessed with the Velvet Underground. He was singing songs by Jacques Brel and doing, you know, French chanson. He was doing his mime thing. Um, yeah. And that for me was more interesting than, than the stuff that we know about. Cause you can watch the real David Bowie do that or you can listen to the records. And I think I just wanted to show what went into that stuff that we do know about. You know, Johnny, it, it's you mentioned his personality, and I, I saw a recent rerun of the Dick Cavett show here in America, and it had to have been around 1970, I suppose. And uh, in this interview, Bowie is very shy, very evasive, as opposed to you know the 90s and beyond, where he was just brimming with confidence. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I watched that interview a lot actually, because because um, it's helpful. Yeah, to see what where his his mind was at. He wasn't the confident. You know, I've, I've, it, it's funny since the trailer came out for our movie. A lot of people have written online and, and said, "Oh, he wasn't so shy and retiring." You play him like um, like he was. Uh, some people love it, but some people are offended by this <laughs> idea of an of a, of a shy David Bowie. It's like, look at the stuff. You know, he was. Oh, yeah. He was really awkward. I always thought that, you know, Ziggy Stardust, it was his way of kind of hiding in this uh, in this character, and he was able to kind of go on as someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's what, that's the question and the answer that we wanted to kind of pose in the, in the film, is that, that Ziggy was this creation uh, born out of the need to... Um, yeah, to to find another reality for himself and his being, and and he came from a very uh, suburban, what he thought of as a very boring um, kind of background, his childhood and where he lived, and he was looking around at these rock stars in the late '60s, going, "Ah, oh God, I wish I could be that exciting." And you know, he's trying to do that, but it doesn't sit easily with him, and he's wearing the same man dress that Mick Jagger wore in 1969 in Hyde Park and stuff but with right. on David the long hair and the the man it just doesn't it's like he's kind of he's he's copying somebody else and so it's not doesn't he knows it's not original and uh, you can I think you can tell that when you listen to the records and you watch the 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 footage of him in that period and then he and then he comes up with Ziggy and it's like he's smashed together these completely improbable elements and created he's innovated something um uh like the great artist that we know him to be but it's only at that point that he figures out how to do that so it's cool to i was really interested to see that the david just before that when he's actually pretty depressed you know <laughs> yeah interesting well and do you get into the collaboration at all with mick ronson who was just brilliant yeah well not n- not so much because this is really just before he sort of meets Mick Ronson like around the end of this uh, story. So he, Mick is in the film, right? At the very end, when when the Ziggy period kind of begins. But I I was obsessed with when I was researching for this story. I got obsessed with Mick's story and his genius. And yeah, and it's kind of sad. I feel like he's somebody who who wasn't credited um, enough. He 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 was really a huge part of of. Uh, that that era of David's music and yeah I think everybody needs to realize that he was he, he was he was a big part of that and I know that you as a musician you must have been thrilled because you actually play a song the opening song in Stardust that had to be really great for you yeah I got to do I mean 
I got to do loads of music. I got to write a song which which um, uh, was a thrill. Imagining that I was writing as David, who's trying to kind of rip off Lou Reed or something. Sure. Which is fun. Yeah, and to do we did we did this at the end of the movie. There's the very first um, Ziggy Stardust gig, and although we don't have the rights to songs, we do songs that he was playing in in the Ziggy shows. So we do. Um, uh, I wish you would by the uh, Yardbirds, which um, oh yeah, things on his record pinups from the from the Ziggy era, and so we do like the the Ziggy version of that. And man, it was such a thrill. Uh, I was doing all the sexy dancing with Mick Ronson on stage, and we had four hundred drunk people from Toronto come and come and watch the show, <laughs> have a crowd. So I felt, yeah, for for one day, I felt I I, I felt like I was uh, Ziggy. Before I let you go, you co-starred in Emma with Anya Taylor Joy. She seems to be about the hottest actress around right now, doesn't she? Yeah, right. She's. I'm, I've been watching The Queen's Gambit, and she's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, she's such a a fantastic um, actress and such a cool person. I love her. She's a really um, special friend and I, she deserves all the um, plaudits that she's getting. She, she's great. She, I love her. Well, make sure you see Johnny Flynn in Stardust in theaters and on demand now. Johnny, happy holidays to you and your family. It was great talking to you. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And the more I think about it, this is such a bold role for him to do in David Bowie because you know all eyes are on you when you play someone that iconic, but he does such a great job here. Again, Stardust is on demand and in theaters wherever they may be open. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you back here next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.